Welcome to another edition of We Need to Talk About Movies. Brought to you by Banterflix.com. And now, here's your host, Jim McLean. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, I am indeed your host, Jim McLean, the editor-in-chief of the Bandflix Movie Review website. Welcome to the latest episode of our podcast, We Need to Talk About Movies. If this is your first time checking out this pod, then welcome to the madness. If you've been listening for a while, then thank you for continuing to check in. There's not much me on this episode, as it's the second part of our Zodiac special by our two favourite sleuths here at Bandra HQ. Forget Nancy Drew... Forget the Hardy Boys. Forget Jessica Fletcher. No, 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 not even I can go that far. You know, Joe and Trez are good, but they're not quite Jessica Fletcher level of murder she wrote status just yet. Until they've actually solved a crime. Then they can be mentioned in the same name as Jessica Fletcher from Murder She Wrote. This is the second part of Joe and Therese's Zodiac Killer special. The first episode was released back in February and that focused on the murders themselves by the Zodiac Killer. This episode focuses on the suspects who could have been the Zodiac Killer. And again, they are taking their inspiration from David Fincher's Zodiac, which was released back in 2007. So that's enough of me on this episode. Uh, Let's check in with Joe and Therese for another episode of Crime Scene to Screen. Hello and welcome to episode five, this is going to be can't believe we're five episodes in, which is part two of two where Joe and I discuss um, the Zodiac murder and the Zodiac film. Um, as I've already mentioned, I am joined by the amazing Joseph McElroy. How are you, Joe? I'm good. And thank you very much for the kind introduction. How are you? I am um, not too bad, um, all things considered. Now that we're going to go back and do a deep dive about the Zodiac um, for our sins, as I said in the pre- previous episode, um, we sort of like a, a catch up in the first episode. We covered um, specifically the four most um, notoriety murders. Um, we all know that the Zodiac claimed to have killed 37 people, but um, there's only four known murders. Um, and then how they were depicted in the film. Um, and the film really in general and how it's sort of um, portrayed the victims, their families, um, their murder and all those involved in um, in the Zodiac story. So in part two, we are going to focus more so on the suspects, which is, I mean, could stem at least another four or five episodes. Um, the suspects, the letters and the ciphers um, all have all of which are uh, ingrained in true crime history and um you know it, it's one of the main things that the zodiac is famous for um so joe are you ready to to get stuck into this i think even more heavier episode or how are you feeling about it 
Well, I'm ready when you are. Um, yeah, I always find this is the more fun stuff because the, the I shouldn't use the word fun, but like if the, the fun, interesting, yeah, the most interesting aspect of this case is who done it because you know you look at the murders themselves; they're just completely sporadic in their nature. They're uh, very little motives. Like there did seem to be a bit, a bit of a trend, then he broke it completely. Uh, every time he kills someone, he used a different weapon, uh, like a different kind of gun, uh, handgun or a knife. So there's no way of pinning this guy down. And then obviously in this episode, how uh, you know, we get into his mindset with the letters and uh, stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready to dive head first in this stuff. And, and as we, um, we might have mentioned in the previous episode, um, the kind of format we're going to go for is Joe and I will run through um, each of the known suspect uh, suspects. Uh, we have um, picked a selection because if you could read off the full suspect list, you'd be here for days. Um, and then what we'll have a look at is um, the ciphers and the letters. Um, and, you know, something that is now relevant to um, 2020, um, you might have heard in the news that one of the letters, um, the 340 cipher, was cracked um, in December of last year. So, um, you know, the, the, the whole case and the mystery of it is still ongoing, really. Um, and it was one of the main reasons that, that Joe and I decided to cover the case. So. Um, Again, I don't want to say without further ado, it's almost as if we're like announcing the Zodiac to the stage, now performing Zodiac. Um, but I think it's the only way like, I, I know how to start something. So yeah, um, without further ado, um, we'll get stuck in. So I'll kick off the suspects. Um, so while the crimes themselves um, are extremely infamous, I believe personally, and I would say there'd be other people who would say that the suspects are a lot bigger than that, mainly because um, there's still so much mystery about the man behind the hood. Um, he's never been revealed, and who really knows at this stage if we'll ever find out who the Zodiac is. Um, I imagine that he's most likely dead at this point, um, but a lot of people thought that the Golden State Killer was dead, um, Joseph D'Angelo was holed up in his wee house, in his wee cushy house. So, and we know, thank God, that he's been put away. Um, so, who knows? In a couple of years' time, um, you know, profiling and and um, DNA and everything like that within um, forensic science is still producing new sort of methods of how to catch people, how to catch a killer. So, who knows, really? Um, but along with the suspects, there have been numerous theories and um, they've been raised, investigated and debunked. Um, some of the most recent reference in Ted Cruz, which I won't mention at all within this podcast. This is the only time because it is a stupid ideal. And I can see no people, won't, this is a recording, Joe's laughing here. No doubt he probably has looked into the Ted Cruz idea. It makes no um, sense. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. He was born two years after the first crime was committed, so how the hell is he? <laughs> no idea. Um, and right, like everything, it's a, it's a meme that kicked off. Um, and 
it's so big now that even when you do search the Zodiac suspects, Ted Cruz is one of the first things that come up, and it's just so totally, so totally wrong. Uh, um, if anything, he looks like the Penguin from Batman more than the bloody Zodiac. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, going ahead. Um, so we'll leave Ted Cruz in the bin. We'll bin that. Um, I think in this episode we'll have, um, we'll have different bins. We'll have a definite bin. You're in the bin. Um, we'll have a bin that is like possible. Um, we're not experts. Don't come for us. Any of the people in this list, if you're still alive, we're just going by what Google said. So um, to kick off, uh, we're going to start with Arthur Lee Allen, who was portrayed by the brilliant John Carroll Lynch in the film. Um, and God love him. He's known for playing so many like dark characters um you know twisty in american horror story he's been in other different stuff um he's played a couple of actual killers in the american horror story so he's well versed in in this spooky um but you cannot have a zodiac list without including arthur leanne allen um and he was he was the the sort of main focused suspect in the film um, as we go through the list, you'll notice that really none of the other suspects are featured apart from Arthur Lee Allen. Um, and I'm just going to put it out there. In my opinion, he is most likely to have been the Zodiac, but we'll come back to it at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so Arthur was born in Hawaii on the 18th of December, 1933, but spent most of his time in Vallejo and California. Um, he was dishonorably discharged from the Navy in 1958. And when he returned, he got a job as an elementary school teacher, but was fired because he had been molesting children in the school. In 1974, he was arrested for the molestation of children and was sentenced to Acosterdo State Hospital, which I assume was an asylum. Um, so the, all of the evidence, against Alan is completely circumstantial. Um, it was the main reason that he was primed to be one of the main suspects. Um, he was the main focal point in Robert Graysmith's book as well. Robert Graysmith, um, played by Jake Gyllenhaal in the film, um, he was so certain that Arthur Lee Allen was a Zodiac and um, basically penned his book all about him being the main suspect. Um, as I've said before, um, Arthur Lee Allen is played by John Carroll, John Carroll Lynch, sorry, in the film. Um, and the film itself, it really focuses on Grace Smith's obsession with Arthur being the Zodiac. Um, and Grace Smith follows so many of the leads and so many of his leads he purposely carries out, um, in, in the, the mindset that, Arthur Lee Allen is a Zodiac. Um, But as previously confirmed, so much of the the evidence against him was completely circumstantial. Um, There was a lot of things matched, um, matching um, Arthur Lee Allen's sort of description. Um, He had the history of um, child molestation, so he was no stranger to crime. but the main um, deliberating, uh, deliberate, I can't say that word. The main bad factor, we'll just go with that, um, that pointed out was that Alan's DNA did not match any of the DNA found on the victims. 
Um, and there was DNA found. And as we know, there was two surviving victims who were able to provide DNA. Um, but he was pointed out in a lineup by um, surviving victim Mike McGee, who we discussed about in the previous episode. Um, and the other surviving victim, Brian Hartnell, was able to match his voice and his physical appearance to that of the Zodiac that he, that he found that day. I mean, it's a. They are still two big things that would point you in the direction of being a suspect. Um, but it's it's just fun. It's hard to believe that no DNA matched what was found on the body of the victims. Um, and again, this could come back to Joe, as you mentioned in the first episode that we had. Um, whenever he used to call up in the phone booth, he used to put sort of dirt and like clear cement on his fingers. Um, we know that he wore gloves quite a lot. Gloves was part of his sort of get up, um, which could explain the DNI not matching. But Arthur Lee Allen is sort of the prime suspect um, that has been on most people's minds as most likely to be the Zodiac, but um, who knows really? And to this day, nobody really knows Arthur Lee Allen's um, connection, but he is, uh, say, sus- I was going to say suspect number nine, but he's not because there is n- at least nine plus suspects. He is suspect number one. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I fully subscribe to the theory that um, Arthur Lee Allen is the killer. But again, we'll go on that later when we sort of go into our like little discussion as to who we think it is. Uh, but the next person on the suspects list, um, who's also actually mentioned in the film as well, he features towards the end, is Ross Sullivan. Now, he was suspected of a murder in 1966, uh, in the, oh, <coughs> and the murder was of Riverside City College student Sherry Jo Bates, and that case remains unsolved to this day. So if you subscribe to the theory that Ross Sullivan is a Zodiac killer, then technically that would be his first murder if he committed it. Uh, it is believed by some investigators that Bates was, uh, you know, like I said, the first victim. And both uh, Paul Avery, who we've mentioned in the previous episode, who was played by Robert Downey Jr., and uh, Detective Dave Toshi, who was played by Mark Ruffalo, uh, had investigated the Riverside killing in connection to Zodiac. Um, Sullivan himself had worked at the RCC campus library, uh, where... You know, the staff and people around him sort of described him as an unnerved man with an affinity for dark poetry. Uh, and a poem he wrote at the bottom of the desk was found in the storage closet at Riverside City College and it described an attack similar to the one Bates. So whether or not that's a case of, oh, he read about the story in the paper and inspired him to write this poem or uh, whether or not he actually committed it, you know, that sort of remains to be seen. Um but it's also noted that he bore a striking resemblance to the 1969 police sketch of the Zodiac Killer. And if you actually go just just quick Google image search of Ross Sullivan and you look at that actual like sketch of Zodiac with the glasses and the crew cut, mm-hmm. you, you can see the similarities there. Uh, they're they're very clear uh, clear to see. Um, you know, at the college, the uh, staff had voiced their concern uh, regarding Sullivan and his behaviour between his poems and just his general demeanor um but the police claimed he had an alibi for the evening that Bates was killed um due to Sullivan's mental illnesses he was you know in and out of uh, institutions uh 
but and eventually died in Santa Cruz in 1977. So the thing about him is um, he was not a character really as such in the film. I think he's, isn't it when he goes to, Jake Gyllenhaal goes to um, that guy's house and it's about the cinema uh, poster or something like that. Is that not yeah. Ross Sullivan? Who no, it, they talk about Ross Sullivan. It is, so the guy that he meets is, um, is, based, is the person who worked with him at That's the cinema. It. Yes, that's what it was. Sorry, yeah, that's where yeah. I got my mix up. I knew there was something in connection with Ross Sullivan. So yeah, he uh, he thinks that Ross Sullivan designed these posters and that there, and to, you know, he had affinity for the greatest game, which feeds in the uh, Arthur Allen Lee as well. Uh, they both, you know, because Zodiac mentions in his letters that you know he believes in hunting humans and it's the greatest game. And of course, the greatest game was one of those like famous novels. Um, that was made to film uh, in the early, I think it was nineteen thirties. And uh, you know, it was very popular at the time, and it's possible that you know it was an influence. You know, it's clearly sorry an influence in the Zodiac Killer, and the fact that those two fellas had uh, sort of had copies of it and yeah. sort of had a, an affinity toward it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what made them sort of stick out and think, oh, okay, there's you know one and one equals two. So that's kind of Ross uh, Sullivan and where he sat in the whole thing. Um, you know, in the film, he's you know described, you know off camera and it's actually his friend who comes to the fore as a suspect morning in that very tense scene uh, when they're looking through different like film reels and uh, looking for a film reel um, it's actually a very brilliant scene uh, but it's towards the end of the film but like I said that's uh, Ross Sullivan so do you want to get into the next prime suspect choice? Yes so um, suspect number three is Jack Torrance Um so not, not 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 from the shining not that Jack. not from the shining um although he could easily have been up there if oh, he was time. a real person um but what what you'll see a trend of um specifically as we start to go through more of the lesser known suspects um is people coming forward and claiming that their family members were the zodiac or knew something of the Zodiac. Um, take that as you will. Um, I've read things that people have said that they just wanted to cash in on ho- the whole story. Um, there is a few people further down who um, had their own spin-off, true crime documentaries about their connections. Um, and who really knows? Um, to be honest, there's no smoke without fire. So uh, these people have obviously seen some sort of connection. Um, they would have also been deeply disturbed as well if they came to this realization that a family member, mother, father, sister, brother, whoever, because nobody knows who Zodiac is, could have been a woman. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some sort of linkage to it and would have to have the realization of coming forward and admitting that. So, um, with Jack Terrence, basically, in 2007, a man called Dennis Kaufman claimed that his stepfather, Jack Torrance, was a Zodiac killer. Although Terrence had died in 2006, Kaufman had produced several pieces of evidence that he believed incriminated his um, stepfather in the murders themselves. Um, Torrance resembled the widely circulated police sketch, matching the descriptions of having a crew cut and glasses. 
um, much like the previous Ross Sullivan. Um, I mean, at the time, I would imagine a crew cutting glasses is probably the norm. Like, I think a lot of men, maybe mm. a lot of say a lot of businessmen would have maybe had that sort of look about them. I don't know. Would you think, Joe? Yeah, yeah, no. It's just kind of what you said, sure. Uh, whenever your uh, Paul Stein was shot. The two young witnesses to that, you know, when they're asked, you know, what did he look like, you know, the killer, and they even themselves just said normal. So, you know, and they provided descriptions, which eventually led to this, you know, scre- uh, sketch. So, yeah, it's very much of the style, you know, the crew style cut, of the time. Yeah, the crew cut the glasses. You know, the conservative look at the time, because obviously San Francisco, there's a lot of um, you know hippie like people still floating about, and there is to this day, but like. You know, there was that mesh of two cultures. You know, there was the conservative sort of look, and uh, then there was that sort of, um, you know, more bohemian and wild sort of look. And obviously, uh, the Zodiac fits the the first of those two descriptions. You know, the very conservative look. Yeah, um, uh, you're going to see a trend, as I said, going through, um, and I would imagine you know, that sort of hippie style at the time. I think if the Zodiac, you know, had appeared dressed like a hippie, um, it would have also been pretty hard to pick out who he was because that was also a style at the time. Um, But yeah, it's it's a noticeable thing that you'll see time and time again is a lot of men match this description of crew cut glasses. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also heavily speculated that Zodiac had a military background um, and that's mainly down to his physical description. Um, It matched several suspects who were confirmed to have spent time in the military. The man described by Brian Hartnell, survivor of the 1969 Lake Berryessa attack, said that he wore military boots similar to what Torrance would have worn during his years in the Navy and the Air Force. Kaufman also had, um, basically had physical evidence. Um, He turned over a bloody knife, filling rolls, handwriting samples, and a hood that matched the description of the one worn by the Lake Berryessa assailant. But both the DNA and handwriting analysis were inconclusive, which is weird because where would he have got this stuff? Again, does it come back to the idea of he just wanted to be involved? Mm-hmm. Or was this something that he really came across? Or does it come back to the fact that the Zodiac, although his murders appeared sporadic, he had terrible handwriting and seemed to just be very all over the place, was significantly versed in cleaning up a crime scene? Yes, I mean, it doesn't make sense for someone who's so meticulous, you know, to go to the effort of having clay in their hands whenever they, they use a public phone, uh, wiping down crime scenes as he did with the Paul Stein case and the others. It makes no sense that he would leave behind a bloody knife and, you know, he would just happen to have all his stuff together and just lay it out waiting for whoever it was. Like, surely if whenever he did retire, like, if even if it's going by his own retirement date, which would be around 1974, he would have burned or got rid of that stuff. I don't think he would have kept a trophy. I know trophy keeping is a, a thing for serial killers, but I think, you know, when it comes to the actual outfits and that, it would make more sense for him just to burn it or get rid of it in some shape or form, not just leave it laying around the house for, and, you know, an eventual, you know, stepchild or child to pick it up. 
So um, again, who really knows? And mm. the fact that it comes back to the DNA and handwriting didn't, didn't match. Um, and it means that Kaufman's claim is, dis- is discredited by many due to the lack of evidence. Um, but he is the only one that sort of at the minute came forward with physical items. So it's kind of hard to be able to discredit it. Then again, we're not police. So no. um, Jack Tarrance isn't featured as a character in the film. Um, he is briefly spoke about in passing. Um, but if you are to Google um, many of the um, Zodiac suspects, he is featured quite heavily across quite heavily, sorry, across um, all of the lists. So that is um, Jack's sort of connection. On to the next one, Joe. Hi, and the next suspect is a man by the name of Earl Van Best Jr. And uh, I know you mentioned uh, Arthur Allen Lee was like the main suspect, but many consider Earl to be the second in terms of the main suspects list uh, after Allen because... (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. He was the subject of uh, its own book and documentary by Gary Stewart and the Zodiac called "The Most Dangerous Animal of All," which sort of alludes to you know the most dangerous game. Um, you know, and as uh, Kaufman, as Dennis Kaufman claims, authorities and researchers often debunk Stewart's case against the his own father, citing that there was a lack of evidence, just like Jack Torrance's uh, stepson. And since the Zodiac case remains unsolved, many have claimed to hold a connection to the killer, but are unable to de- deliver substantial proof. You know, it, it's harps back to that there. Like, like I said in the previous episode, the police uh, had 2,500 suspects at one point and people uh, interviewed. Um, and I think to this day, anytime a journalist is sent a letter to the Chronicle in San Francisco, uh, the editor more or less just throws the letter out straight away. It's like, unless there's somebody who's been arrested by the police in connection with this case, we're not going to mention it at all. So uh, that's sort of where things are sitting now compared to this case as well. Um, but with but, you know, going back to Stuart and his investigation into why he thought Earl Van Best um, Jr. was the killer, um, it was quickly, rend- you know, his actual evidence was rendered as circumstantial as he relies heavily on uh, Best Junior's physical similarities to Zodiac. And like we said before, it's the luck of the time when you think about it. You know, the crew cut the glasses. And, you know, to be a stocky man in San Francisco, you know, it's not exactly, you know, a very unique look. So the fact that he's just relying on the luck of someone is, you know, it, it, it's, it's a bit... Um, he sort of over a line on the one sort of thing, uh, element to the uh, to cracking the case, you know. Uh, like he, you know, your guy Irvan Best did have a, a a criminal past and was alleged, but again, you can't just use that as a primary reason as to believe why he's a zodiac. Um, you know, according to Stewart as well, his mother attempted to access police files on Best uh, Junior, but he was turned away due to the extremely upsetting nature of the reports. Stewart believes the concealed files contain uh, contains connections between his father and the Zodiac killings, but he's not provided evidence that would prove this theory. Uh, again, that's just probably the police going, you know, go away. Yeah, leave us alone. You know, yeah. he's, he's like, we studied this. He's not the Zodiac. You know. Calm down, lad. Let it uh, go yourself. Yeah, let it go. It's just, again, going back to the main theme of the film, 
obsession. It's just, you know, as Robert Gressmith was obsessed with the case and, you know, as the film points, he was obsessed with the idea that uh, Arthur Anthony was the main suspect and he was Zodiac. Again, Stuart can be, you know, you can say that Stuart was obsessed with the idea that Earl Van Best Jr. was a Zodiac. Um, and again, you know, the only link that made him go, oh, he must be Zodiac, is that first police sketch. But then that's just, you know, a wild guess more than anything. Like, I can give myself a crew cut, and with these glasses, I'm automatically look like the Zodiac. But am I a Zodiac? No. But anyway, that's our Van Best. On to the next one. Take it away, Trez. And this is Rick Marshall. Richard Marshall, Richard Rick Marshall. Um, and this is who we got confused about earlier. Um, so we had thought this related to Ross Sullivan um, in the film that Jake Gyllenhaal's character um, visits, but um, it's actually Rick Marshall. Um, so apologies. Again, we're not experts. Yeah. And we make mistakes, but it's all about just owning them, you know? Um, so yeah, um, Richard Rick Marshall Again, he's not he's not actually featured as a character in the film, but there is a plot point, and um, his friend is featured um, in relation to being a suspect. So, Richard Rick Marshall was a radio and movie theater worker who became a person of interest due to his overlapping interests with the Zodiac and his proximity to several of the attacks, including. Paul Stein and Donna Lass. Uh, Rick Marshall's love for the 1907 short film The Red Phantom, aka The Red Spectre, alarmed investigators as a letter that was thought to be from the Zodiac um, was signed off at the end, The Red Phantom. Marshall made a compelling suspect due to his knowledge of obscure cinema and the fact that he lived in a basement apartment. God help us all. So for all those living in a basement department at the minute, according to police, you could be a serial killer. You're dodgy. Right there. I know. You're dodgy. Um, this was a point noted by authorities since several of the Zodiac letters mentioned, mentioned being in a basement, um, and they're quite uncommon to have these basement departments in California. Mm-hmm. So I actually find that a bit strange because usually they're quite cool in basement apartments because I know I'm just thinking my friend used to live in one and yeah you think they'd have more in California and why would they be considered I know I suppose they may be considered to be you know sort of a you know considered linked to deviants because oh they're like underground they're hiding themselves away from like this beautiful sunny city why would they do that you know it almost Something like that just draws suspicion, apparently, uh, to the police uh, back in the 60s and 70s. I suppose it was just that time that really anybody who was weird was automatically a suspect or yeah. was a bad person. Actually, you um, look at, the, you know, it was mentioned about all the different, you know, things happening at the moment, you know, anti-war rallies, civil rights movements, you know, people uh, who would be sort of left-leaning in politics, you know, would be more... Uh, of the, you know, to be more of the sort on the side of the hippie end of things. Not to say that, you know, obviously they were all hippies. Obviously they're not. Uh, but, you know, they would have the long hair, the loose clothes, and all that their kind of stuff, uh, mainly. So they'd be considered, oh, you're you're against uh, what a normal look is. And you know, that's the great irony in this case. It was that someone who looked normal committed all these murders and not someone who you would consider to be uh, a mass murderer. Yeah. Um, 
again, who really knows at the time they had all sort of obscure views. So exactly. Um, but yeah, sorry, just referencing. Um, as I said, there was a character featured. Um, in the film, he was meant to bear similarities to Marshall, but he was um, dubbed Rick Martin. Um, and he is used as a red herring in David Fincher's um, 2007 film Zodiac, which, like its source text, positions Arthur Lee Allen as the most likely killer. Richard Rick Marshall is still a possible suspect, mainly because of his location during the times of the Zodiac murders. So he lived in Riverside um, around the time of the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, who was murdered at the Riverside College campus. Um, and he also stayed at an apartment in San Francisco that was not far from the murder scene of Paul Stang. He also worked for the KTIM radio station, where the call letters supposedly looked like the same cryptic symbols that the Zodiac used in his letters. Given all of this evidence, um, once again, Marshall's fingerprints did not match the fingerprints that were collected from the Zodiac letters or the crime scenes. Um, and this is another that was this is another suspect that was um, evidently ruled out by no match for DNA. Yeah. So uh, yes, that was Mr. Marshall and another suspect. Uh, the second to last one that we have in terms of the main ones is Lawrence King. He was the primary suspect uh, of investigator Harvey Hines' uh, reports, who's, <coughs> sorry, who suspected um, King due to his uh, tendency to create aliases, like he called himself Harry Kane with a K and Larry Kane with a C. Uh, he also altered his appearance as well. Uh, Hines believed that Kane drew, vic- uh, drew victim Darlene Fern after his sister identified him as someone who scared Darlene. And Hines was convinced that Kane... Uh, followed possible Zodiac victim Donna Lass as she moved to the Lake Tahoe area. Uh, you know, d- I don't think we really touched on Donna Lass in the last episode, but she was one of those uh, people who was suspected to have encountered Zodiac, but it wasn't confirmed, which is why we didn't really go into it at all. It's never officially been connected to him. Yeah, murder. yeah it's just suspected which is why we thought you know because there's like hundreds and hundreds of cases that are suspected zodiac cases so we won't have had time to go on all of them so we just stuck to the main uh the main actual murders um so like i said with uh you know he you know he expected to follow down last and the police received a postcard from the sierra club uh ref referring to a 12th victim that was supposedly last um which is part of the letters collection, which we'll go into later in the episode. Uh, but throughout um, Hines' reports, he notes that uh, Kane was uh, very much of an introvert. He was ambivalent towards women. He had a brain injury and a tendency to lose control. You know, all these things off the top of your head are like, okay, red flag, red flag, red flag, when you're talking about serial killers. But then again, you can't just, you can't just automatically assume, oh, all those things, he's Zodiac. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's he just, may be a bad man, but yeah, you know, he's not automatically put him in connection as a zodiac. He's an asshole, but he's not a bastard. Like you know, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's just, perfect, it's, perfect. Yeah, it's just the way things go for people in their lives sometimes. But anyway, like the other suspects, uh, he'd spent time in the military, and he was specifically serving in the naval reserve. 
He, uh, sorry, Hines had also reported that uh, Cain was living uh, close to where Paul Stein was killed and was identified by Kathleen Jones in 1993 as the person who kidnapped her and her baby in 1970. And that was one of those... Uh, that was the uh, moment in the film. It was depicted in the film, although, like I said, it's just a suspected thing uh, where she was picked up at the side of the road by someone, uh, you know, to fix her car. Uh, and then obviously they don't do a proper job and the, you know, the tire goes off and then she hops in the car with the other guy who threatens to throw her baby out of the car and herself. But then obviously she manages to escape and, uh, you know, a nearby, uh, uh, you know, a guy driving on the road in a truck. Like a stop. trucker. Yeah. Trucker. That's it. I know. Truck guy. You know, I can't even say trucker. Uh, truck man. Truck man to the rescue. Um, he finds her and eventually she's, you know, she comes to authorities and explains the scenario to him. But again, it's just, a, you know, it's not officially Zodiac. So we didn't decide to talk about it. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much Lawrence King. A lot of things in that one, which heavily lean towards the idea that he could be it but again yeah it's just, it's just too circumstantial i think to be definitive uh, he has a lot more than some yeah some of the suspects we've put through um but again like everything it just comes down to the dna evidence and oh, yeah. so far um nothing has came forward as we move to um the last suspect um, that we are going to cover, there is um, an, another significant list of the full suspects, um, but we are finally going to focus on Richard Gwakowski. Um, and me and Joe thought that we would get through these two episodes without having a difficult name, um, but this is this is going to be Richard. So I might just call him Richard. Um, uh, Richard. I know that's wrong. You're supposed to say their surname, but I think I'm just going to call him Richard. Hi. So... Um, Richard was initially a person of interest due to his training as a medic and his intentional arrest in 1965. Investigators noted um, he had army medical training due to the fact that the victim, Paul Stein's shirt, was ripped in a common bandaging tactic that was taught to military medics in addition, um, sorry, was taught to military medics. So um, Paul Stein's shirt was ripped in a certain way um it, it was like oh, almost oval it, it was ripped so um meticulously that it looks like it was you know it wasn't done in a rush like it looked yeah. like it was ripped off in a specific way um which you can see the links here um obviously in medical training if if a an an officer has an injury, they have to basically use anything that's lying about. Um, so there was the connection there. Um, in addition, Stein Paul Stein's sister also recalled seeing Richard at her brother's funeral, although they had never met and they were never connected, which was really strange. Um, I'm going to attempt the surname again. Kwakowski had a tendency to shorten his last name to Gike, G-I-K-E, or Gike, G-Y-K-E, the latter of which that can, um, that can be seen in several of the Zodiac ciphers. Police dispatcher Nancy Solver, who the Zodiac contacted after his attack on um, Darlene Farron and Mike McGuire, claimed that Kwakowski's voice was 
um, matched that of the caller. Richard was committed to a psychiatric ward in 1971, and this is when the Zodiac letters coincidentally stopped for almost three years. While Fincher's Zodiac is a strong telling of the case, the mysteries surrounding the actual killer are still very much wide open. Some argue that, oh God, some argue that he looks like the sketch in spite of lacking a widow's peak and having a wider nose. Um, again, we're coming back to the crew cut carry on. Um, as confirmed, Nancy says that his voice is the same as the Zodiac. Um, although Mike McGuire um, had heard other people and other suspects. Um, and it could also be true that the Zodiac possibly altered his voice um, when he had made those calls or when he had spoke to different people as well. Um, Richard was in the military, but his records were burned in a fire, so nobody really knows any idea um, how long he was there for or many of the other details. Finally then, um, he followed one of the survivors, um, it's claimed, apologies, it's claimed that he followed a surviving victim to New York after she remarried and uh, purposely worked in the same building as her husband for some time. So um, Richard, again, comes back to the point of there's no specific explicit DNA evidence. Everything is quite um, circumstantial. Um, you can see where people have made linkages. But like the past um, five or six people that we discussed, the Zodiac has never been caught. Um, they've never matched any DNA. And it's still not known to this day who the Zodiac is. Um, and finally, ending our section on, on the suspects, we have a list here of everyone else. Um, so I've already mentioned Ted Cruz, but that's a load of shit. Um, other Zodiac suspects um, are Gareth Penn, Michael O'Hare, Bruce Davis, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, load of shit. Fred Manilli, um, Kajel Cavalli, William J. Grant, Raphael Cruz, Charles Clifton Collins, George Russell Tucker, Guy Ward Hendrickson, God, three barrels were a thing of the time, weren't they? Um, Joseph Newton Chandler, three. The third Esquire. The third. <laughs> um, Louis Myers, and then finally, Joseph Belavica. Um, and there is, I think there is another list that has even more people on it. Um, and it just goes to show that, um, everyone and their mother tried to pin the Zodiac on somebody. Um, so you even see that in the film, you know, when there, there's that little yeah. montage when, uh, Tashi and uh, Armstrong are interviewing different people, you know, uh, the first person's, uh, this black woman going, I am the Zodiac. And then he goes, you know, he asked her a question about the kids and then she's like, uh, and then there was somebody, there was another guy who's like, uh, he accused him just because of something really random that had nothing to do with the case. And then he's kind of going, oh. Okay. Yeah, like there was there was people accusing like people that they didn't like and all, and like neighbours were fighting over each other. And um, you, there was bits and things that I read that like neighbours were trying to go into their other neighbours like um, rubbish to see if they threw out anything, like any letters or anything to check a handwriting. Um, so like it really sparked a, hyst a like a hysteria, and mainly yes because people wanted to know who the zodiac was, but I think because he had got so much popularity. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, he was almost like a celebrity. It's it's yeah. like he was like America's ultimate who done it. So obviously, the whole country had their ideas based on you know, and then obviously there was like the the sort of subdivision of that within Northern California itself. Uh, people going, oh well, uh, you know, my son-in-law could be Zodiac because uh, I don't think he's good enough for my daughter. <laughs> you know, just random stuff like that. And um, yeah, I was, you know, the amount of theories you can find on the internet, like Nazi war criminal Joseph Mengele appeared at one point, and I read about. Yeah. One, I read one line. I was like, that's enough. That's enough of that. That's enough of that nonsense. There. Um, there's just wild theories everywhere. But at the end of the day, you know. He's, I think he's just going to remain one of the great mysteries of American uh, crime. Up there with John Bonet Ramsey. Oh, I'll John. Oh, that's that's a wild case. Uh, I don't think we can ever cover that because there. I don't think there's any films, and thank God there's no films linked to that case. There's only been documentaries. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of the great mysteries. Like you know, you think about uh, in terms of serial killers, maybe shy of Jack the Ripper. Zodiac is like the biggest mystery in terms of like serial killers in general. But then again, as I said, up to a certain point, the Golden State Killer was the exact same. True. And there was their victims and the families were dead, convinced that he'd never be found. And now he's absolutely rotten in jail. So there you go. Um, who knows? Yeah, it could just be around the corner. You never know. Uh, it's just one of those things. Um, but yeah, those are the suspects. Um, obviously, we can go into our theories. Then. Do you want to do that now, or do you want to even just leave that until we get through the letters? No, I think we should do that now, um, and then get through the letters. I didn't realize how much time we'd spent on the suspects, but um, I mean, you can't not really talk about them. They're pretty important. Um, but as I've already expressed, I have a very strong feeling about Arthur Lee Allen. Yeah. I don't know if that's because the film focused on him so much. Um, I haven't read the book yet, so I wouldn't be able to give a perspective on that front. Um, and then his history of child molestation. Um, you know, he wasn't. He was known to authorities. The rest of the suspects don't really have a criminal background, um, and it's known. Well, not, not that we know of, um, and you know, like most serial killers, they start off either with the um, the three arc trope, um, the arson, um, the frontal lobe damage, or um, killing of animals or anything like that. Um, you know, if they're known to have some sort of connection to crime, they're most likely to go ahead and do something. So for me, um, I would say my main suspect is Arthur Lee Allen. Well, to an extent, I'd agree with you. But the thing that sort of just separates it for me is the fact that he was only first investigated, really, because a friend reported him. And his friend reported him. And he mentioned all this specific detail but it was all after the fact that all this stuff had came out in newspapers and stories. Like he alluded to, uh, I know we'll mention it in the letters and it, it's a bit of a gruesome detail. He, he mentioned the letter that referenced to the Zodiac killing school children on the bus. He mentioned, uh, you know, the fact that the most dangerous game was his favorite uh, book and film. 
And uh, he even said when they were on a trip before that he said, oh, what, you know, what would it be like if, you know, we were hunting people here? You know, but he, he said it was only supposed to be in a, you know, in jest or as a, in a joking manner. But in hindsight, he took it to be seriously. But at the end of the day, I think that just sort of ties the idea of like he didn't mean, sorry, he probably didn't like him that much. <laughs> after maybe he found out more about you know the likes of the molestation and stuff like that all those horrible stuff uh came to light about him so he turned on him in a sense so then that was his way of like trying to redeem you know the fact that oh how could i have been friends with him and not known so i'll just blame him uh <laughs> for being the zodiac but having said that a lot of the stuff does fit as well because he was a gun collector he was in the army uh which explains how he was you know so um you sort of clean cut when it came to the shootings and stuff like that there uh, and how he was able to use different guns on each occasion. Um, but the thing that sort of stops him is the DNA evidence. But that sort of goes two ways because I think, you know, when it comes to his DNA not being linked to the letters, when you think about the letters in and of themselves, right, they're sent in the newspaper. So how many people have handled those letters? before yeah. they arrive at the desk. So there's all that DNA. Then there's the DNA of like, uh, you know, it shows in the film, the secretary opening the letter before passing on. And then obviously at that stage, realize, oh, Zodiac, so uh, try not to contaminate it. But it's too late. It's already been contaminated to that point. Um, but I do believe, I read somewhere, they have kept a bit of his body tissue on file. And, well, not on file, but you know what I mean? It's kept medically just in yeah. case they need to do further tests and then there's further advancements in DNA. So, I do agree that he's definitely the main suspect. And I think, and you know, I would think that he's strongly tied. I just don't think he did it as such. I just have a weird inkling and instinct. Part of me thinks that, um, you know, there's multiple people involved in it. I don't think it's. Yeah. I, that would be another thing. I would agree with you that I don't think it's just one person. Yeah. No, because I would get you. The first three uh, incidents, there is the motive there. You know, a couple, young couple uh, in a rural water, uh, you know, rural area around water. There's, um, you know, involves just, you know, sort of slightly intimidating them before committing the uh, murder or crime. But then you just go to Paul Stein and for no reason he just decides to shoot this cab driver in the back of the head in the middle of a busy, you know, affluent neighborhood. It doesn't tie up, but again, that could just be down to the killer going, I'm just going to throw them off the scent. And then eventually, obviously, he yeah. said, and then obviously send in the proof, oh, I did this, here's the bloody shirt. But then part of me thinks, now I'm getting myself, no, see, this is what Zodiac does to you. It starts making you question everything. You're getting into a hole, yeah. Yeah, I'm going down a hole. And you know what, I'm, I'm going to stop myself now because either A, I'm going to make a complete dick out of myself, and <laughs> B, it's just too deep a rabbit hole. But there's part of me, you know, that all right, ultimately I don't think Arthur Allen Lee did it. I understand why he's a chief suspect and it does make sense. But I think that's uh I know if you just tie it to the film and the book, that's Robert Grayson just trying to put uh, a square peg in a round hole. I think that's him. He he's just been so obsessed all these years, he needs an answer, and Arthur Allen Lee is his answer. Um and then that sort of gives rise to why I think there could be multiple people involved. But I just don't think it's him. And I don't think we'll ever know who it is. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't think we'll find out in our lifetime. Mm. 
But moving from one mystery to another, we are going to end um, on having a look at the um, zodiac letters and the ciphers, which coincided with um, the four main murders. Um, from late 1960s to the early 1970s, the Zodiac Killer sent four coded letters. Um, and I think out of the four, we now have two of the ciphers that have been solved. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Joe, I believe you have uh, possibly an excerpt of one of the letters there. If yeah, you'd like to get uh... in Zodiac mode. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to do an accent or anything because that would just be distracting and uh, it would come out god awful. But I'm just going to I'm just going to try and be as dramatic as possible, just just to give you to get you in the mood. So this is one of the first letters that were sent to the news, uh, the three newspapers, and it reads as follows: Dear editor, this is the murder of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the Fourth of July near the golf course in Vallejo. To prove I killed them. I shall state some facts, which only I and the police know. Christmas. One brand name of Ammo Super X. Two, ten shots were fired. Three, the boy was on his back with his feet uh, to the car. Four, the girl was on her right side, feet to the west. Fourth of July. One, girl was wearing patterned slacks. Two, the boy was also shot in the knee. Three, Brand name of ammo was Western. Here is a part. Here's part of a cipher, and the other and the two parts of the cipher are being mailed to the editors of the Vallejo Times and San Francisco Examiner. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. In the cipher is my identity. If you do not print this cipher by the afternoon of Friday, the first of August of 1969, I will go on a kill rampage Friday night. I will cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night and then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. And that was the first letter. Uh, That's prior to him eventually referring to himself as Zodiac and saying this is Zodiac and using the symbol. But obviously, first letter is quite chilling. I think that was was sent to the Chronicle. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of the big letter that set the whole thing into motion. Uh, the fact that you know the fact that this was a serial killer rather than you know two sporadic attacks, which were what they were sort of seen as before these letters came to light. And I think it was one of the first times as well that there was the idea of um, sort of the ransom note, as you could call it. Mm-hmm. Um, as he goes on in other letters. Um, to as Joe touched on, um, he threatens to murder uh, a bus full of kids, which is obviously extremely frightening. Um, he discusses in the first letter about wreaking havoc amongst the Bay Area, um, and it's all basically putting things in the context that if these, if the authorities and these newspapers don't print the stuff, then he's going to do this stuff. Sorry, if the, the if the newspapers and the police don't print the letters um, and the ciphers in the paper, then he's going to go out and he's going to murder people. And it's one of those things where you're stuck in between a rock and a hard place. Um, he obviously is the killer of the first two murders that he discusses. Um, he um, provides information that wasn't released to the public, so they know that it is the person. 
and it's up to the newspapers and the police to make that decision. Do they highlight what he has done and essentially glorify him in the paper or do they just ignore it and hope that nothing happens? Um, and as we will go on to say, um, they publish um, all four letters um, and it is one of the reasons that back then one of them was solved um, and most recently um, there has been another solved in 2020. So breaking down the letter, um, they were mainly written in two parts. The first part was usually written in a plain text um, and then the second part was written in cipher in which he often claimed um, discussed his identity. So in the main plain text part he often threatened the newspapers to publish his letters or else he would um, kill more victims. In other segments of his letters he listed the names of um, people that he's going to murder next um, and creating general havoc amongst the Bay Area. So his main goal was to use the media to instill fear in the citizens of the Bay Area and it significantly worked. Um, cryotographers dug deeper into his letters um, and they were able to find out what drove the Zodiac to keep killing. Um, so of the four ciphers, ciphers letters he sent, one is a three-part coded message, um, and it was sent to three different press companies, as Joe touched on, um, which made a 408 symbol cipher. Um, his other famous cipher letters contains a 340 character cipher, um, which at the time um, didn't have a definitive solution, but as we know, it does now. Um, and then after the Zodiac Killer sent his 408 um, symbol cipher he sent another message to the police um, stating that if they could solve this um, last cipher that they would be able to work out who the Zodiac was um, so Joe do you want to talk about um, the first cipher that was cracked in 1969 uh, yeah so um, <coughs> excuse me uh, you know, the, in 1969, the two school teachers, Donald and Bet, uh, sorry, Betty Harden, had managed to crack the Z408 uh, cipher. And the Z408 cipher uh, consisted of random symbols corresponding to plain text. And while the Zodiac Killer ciphers made him seem like a genius, uh, that cipher was not too difficult to solve. It was a, hom sorry, homophonic a simple substitution cipher. Uh, and in a basic simple substitution cipher, either ciphertext letter uh, corresponds to a plain text letter. However, in a homophonic uh, substitution cipher, more than one ciphertext letter could correspond to a plain letter. It may sound like it's tricky, but historically, easy, uh, historically speaking, uh, it's a lot easier uh, than any cryptanalysis would have expected it to be. Um, so essentially, the, the key to them unlocking this sort of, uh, you know, cipher was to look for common patterns. And they plugged in letters that might fit into the cipher text. So after analyzing the text, they noticed certain symbols would appear more often than others. So 
An example of that would be there was a high number of double symbols and double letters which were found in the text. So they look for the frequency of the letter L because obviously you know it's a you know a letter from someone who's killed someone. So a common letter that would be in that letter would be the letter L. So you know K I L L. Um, and then eventually that's how they found the word kill within the uh, the cipher, and it served as a crib which was you know sort of a um, a word that can be plugged into other parts of the message to determine other phrases. And while the message had a few misspellings, the meaning of the message was clear. And misspellings are sort of a common thing um, that serial killers would do when they send letters or rans leave ransom notes or whatever. You know, you find it later with BTK whenever he did do something similar. Uh, but this was a common trait with Zodiac. So... This crack code uh, often are frightening insight into the Zodiac Killer's mind. Uh, so according to the actual plain text message, he was attempting to collect slaves for the afterlife. That was his goal in these killings, apparently. And while the plain text message gave police reason uh, for a serial killing, the message never mentioned his name as he, you know, as he'd stated previously, oh, my identity is going to be in this cipher. So once you solve it, you'll find out who I am. Um, but according to this message, he refused to give up his identity because it would slow down or stop his collection of slaves. So that was sort of the first of the main ciphers that were solved. So do you want to go into the next section there, Trace? Yeah, so um, this is um, in relation to any the letters that were sort of left over in the cipher that the Hardens um, had cracked. Um, so when they finished doing the 408, um, they realized that there was 18 letters left over that weren't really put into any other words. Um, and their selection of A's, B's, R's, T's, M's, H's, P and I's. Um, so seemingly these were just mainly jumbled text and leftover letters, but cryptanalysts believe these letters are filler um, and they used to make the cipher three equally sized parts. So they didn't really have any sort of significance. But then, um, like everything else, there is some zodiac theorists that um, believe if you um, arrange it in a certain way, it gives you the name of the zodiac killer. This was also the same um, of one of the other ciphers that when the letters were left over, it apparently you could spell out the name Ed Edwards, um, who was also put forward as a suspect, but it was never really um, confirmed. It was more or less debunked. Um, but that, that's, you know, when you think about it, you know, if, you're, if you have a simple cipher with some letters left over, you're like, uh, that looks like it's uh, Ed Edwards, you know, like it just seems too you just You're just touching at straws. Yeah. Um, yeah. So who really knows? Exactly. Um, there's one um, before the the team on in December of last year. A man called Corey Starlipper from Tewkesbury, Massachusetts, had claimed to have cracked the three forty cipher by recognizing that the three forty is a Caesar shift cipher, which is a cipher where each plain text letter is shifted three letters down the alphabet. Um, 
So you may be wondering why the police didn't decrypt a simple shift cipher earlier. Um, but before Starleeper actually applies the Caesar shift, he arbitrarily converts each zodiac symbol to a Latin letter. So there was a lot of work that kind of went into these ciphers. Um, I would say at the time, um, crypto analysts weren't such a, a big thing within um, the normal police force. They would have mainly been in the likes of the FBI. Um, but one of the main reasons that they were unable to solve the cipher was because the cipher consisted entirely of zodiac symbols. Um, so Starleaper's process is seems to be quite unreliable. Um, and it's mainly because he relies on his own method through his own assumptions. So when he had put forward that he had attempted to crack the code, it was mainly him just trying to make sense of things rather than actually using a sort of theoretical method. Um, we come back to our good friend, um, Arthur Lee Allen. Um, in the cipher, it's interesting, apparently, that the last few phrases of the plain text um, can yield the words, my name is Lee Allen. Um, Lee Allen was a suspect, as confirmed, um, with the police were still investigating the day and um, the case. However, his DNA did not match. Um, many cryptanalysts question the accuracy of the decipherment, um, but one thing's for sure, uh, if a simple, a simple shift cipher of three was used and it yielded a name um, as well as other phrases that could be used by a serial killer, it could be an accurate decipherment. Um, there is no proof that Lee Allen is a Zodiac, but I believe at the time it was reported in the news that he was put forward as a suspect. Um, so for all we know, the Zodiac could have been framing Lee Allen um, and more or less taunting the police by including this information in one of the letters. And finally, we are up to date, and it was one of the reasons that me and Joe decided that we would, um, I'm gonna use a pun, crack on with the case. Um, so the solution to what is known as the 340 cipher, um, which is what the Starlighter previously suggested that he had cracked, um, was found by a code-breaking team in the US, Australia and Belgium on the 11th of December uh, 2020 last year. The cipher sent in a letter to the Chronicle in November 1969 has been puzzling authorities and amateur sleuths since it arrived 51 years ago. Investigators had hoped that once this was cracked, it would um, give the identity of the person who killed um, five people in the Bay Area in 1969, 1968 and 1969, um, but there is no name within the 340 cipher. So according to the lead analyst, um, code-breaking expert, David um, he claims that the text includes the following. I hope you're having lots of fun and trying to catch me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise, and he spells paradise wrong, all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me. Um, and this relates back to what was noted earlier, that in one of the previous letters, um, the Zodiac had claimed that the reason he was killing people was because that he was obsessed with having slaves in the afterlife. Um, 
and that basically concludes our ideas on the letters and the sofa the sofas my god the sofas the sofas i'm still I'm still not moved into my house and i'll have his house things in my mind um <laughs> the ciphers that were connected to the zodiac um so there you go yeah so yeah the thing about those like i'm just trying to just tie it back to the phone now you know when it comes to the ciphers and that they're you know they're just sort of tied into the idea of obsession in the film. You know, that's the thing that yeah. spurs um, Robert Gray Smith. Robert sort of, Gray Smith into yeah. action. You know, he is at like a morning meeting uh, where he's just tanned in a cartoon for uh, the Daily Paper, but that's when the letter comes in from Zodiac. You know, he goes through basically what I've read earlier and then um, the ciphers there. And he catches wind of it and is passed around the table and he's writing it down quickly just to try and you know, take it away and then start working at it. Then eventually he finds out, you know, that the couple that we mentioned, they'd solved it and he And I think they solved it as well. They were like they were both teachers and um they used to get up they got up every morning, had their breakfast with each other and spent the morning in silence basically doing crosswords in two of the newspapers. Um and it was the husband that had lifted the chronicle. Um, that it was posted and was like oh this is a wee pu-. like they didn't really know that it was in relation to anything and they went oh this will just be like a puzzle like Sudoku or a normal crossword and they were able to crack it like that yeah, yeah like I said like, like you sorry like you said earlier it was a simple cipher that, you know it turned out to be a simple cipher that uh, may not in face of things appear that simple but yeah they solved it and you know Robert uh, Christmas character in the film goes in the idea is like oh there's that symbol is used twice so that's a double symbol and then you find commonalities okay so it's a double symbol that's in a letter to do with somebody who's murdered someone so double letters that's the L probably so that word probably is kill and then that's a crib within it and then you find the commonalities within the letter to solve it so that's how they solve that uh, so you know that stuff in the film that I know when we talk about it it's one thing but once it's presented visually and you know through that sort of um exposition it becomes a lot clearer and it's a lot uh, yeah you know it's a, it's a, it's really well explained um but even you know i don't think we really talked about the suspects in the film too much i know we sort of name dropped them and we just said uh you know how you know the, the actual actors in their background but how do you, you know just john carroll lynch's uh arthur allen lee what do you think of his portrayal as, um, you know, as the, as the, uh, you know, how do you think, you know, what do you think of John Carl Lynch's portrayal of Arthur Allen Lee? I think, um, as I said earlier, that John Carl Lynch is, um, he, he can be typecast in those certain roles because of his hulky um, stature. Um, he's bald, he's quite tall. Um, and he's known for playing characters that are on the dark side. Um, just look at American Horror Story, as I as I said previously. Um, uh, but I think you know, looking at how some of the, you know, looking at Mindhunter, for example, at how some of the killers were portrayed in that. Um, I did look at videos of Arthur Allen Lee um, there's a few things you can find on YouTube and stuff um, and I don't think he, he matches the character play by play um, unlike some of the actors in the likes of Mindhunter specifically the actor that plays Edmund Kemper which is frighteningly yeah, it's just so spot on it's spot it's, on uh, 
Yeah. Um, his his demeanor, his voice, uh, the way he carries on, it's so play by play. Um, I think for the character of Arthur Lee Allen, um, they just wanted someone who sort of resembled like a, a hulky man. Um, in saying that he is mysterious, he um comes across um as an elusive person, and he he portrays that sort of suspect character quite well. Um, there's not really a hell of a lot known other about um Arthur Lee Allen, so it's it's kind of hard to see um his exact depiction but then again he is the only main suspect that is portrayed as an official character anyone else really is just either talked about in passing or is talked about um through a different character who's connected to that person um so it can be quite hard to give an opinion on how fincher approached the portrayal of the characters I'm sorry, the characters and their suspects and the suspects. Well, for me, it's like given, um, you know, the obsessive nature of Fincher, I think when it came to this film, he approached it from the mind of like, um, all right, we have this book by Robert Graysmith. We're going to just try and tie ourselves mainly to this. And, you know, because Zodiac's one of those cases where you could easily just spin off in a million different directions. But he decided, right, We'll try and keep it, you know, we'll explore those avenues, but our main through line is going to be this book by Robert Graysmith, uh, which is why, you know, he was a, a, one of the chief consultants on the film as well. And I think um, I think that works in his favour a lot, like he does bring in other aspects. He brings in the fact that, uh, you know, the different sort of police and authorities, you know, they get into rows with each other over, you know, trade and evidence, uh, you know, you know, minor authorities, you know, contaminate evidence without realizing it. You know, I think it's the the Hartnell murder, you know, the Hartnell uh, incident where a detective, not a detective, just normal cop, just brushed everything up in a, you know, picnic blanket and just sent it off. Um, They didn't send photos of the military boots and their prints, so you wouldn't know the size and the type of boot. Uh, they didn't do that for months after it. Uh, There's just so many, you know, bumbling things done by the police. Um, you know, we've went into the Paul Stein case, how they messed that up, and it's actually portrayed brilliantly in the film. There's, um, and just even time back to, you know, John Carlin's portrayal, I really, really liked him in the film. He has that, like you said, there is that strangeness about him. And there is that sort of mystery surrounding the character, but that's why I think it works. I don't. I, I think that works better than him doing more of a, you know, an exact, you know, a copy of what he was like. You know, it's 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 better him, you know, capturing the you know the the spirit of the person rather than you know, doing a play by play of what he was like. Because I've I've listened yeah. to some of the stuff by uh, Arthur Anley, and you know, he doesn't sound like he does in the film, but. He has that, you know. He gives off that presence that you know John Carlin's really captures well in the in the film, and he, you know he is one of those just great character actors uh, working today. And um, I think it's because Robert Gresham was just so convinced it was him, which is why the film, although the film does end ambiguously in a sense, it does go. But he did it, you know. You can think yeah. all you want, but I think that's more to do with giving the audiences an answer because. 
generally films that leave too much of a mystery don't do too well at the box office so adventure was maybe just slightly conscious of that he's like i can't i want to go down this route but i'm not going to go fully commit to a mystery i'm going to give them some sort of an answer but ultimately the film it did all right but it didn't you know set the box office on fire and then fincher's kind of put that down to people expecting you know uh seven two in a way you know yeah extreme grotesque horror and yeah yeah what they got was a procedural true crime film but uh no it's a film i really really like and i've come to admire more because we've gotten into this case and i definitely think it's someone it's a, a film that um i'd highly recommend if you're interested in the case and if you've never heard about the case before, um, listening to the podcasts, um, or just to take it for what it is as a, a truly brilliant um, true crime thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's still available on Netflix at the minute, so you can get it on that mainstream service. Um, and I'm sure Film 4 are also a fan of, of sticking it on. So if you don't um, catch it on Netflix, just keep an eye out for it there. But um, as we've said, we probably could have had like four or five different episodes. But somehow, Joe, we've managed to get it into two. Just about. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's nothing else really for us to cover. Um, that is the end of part two of um our zodiac coverage if you have any theories send them through and our socials um banter flicks is on instagram twitter um and facebook and think they're all at banter flicks um, we also have a patreon as well which you can subscribe to um, and get some exclusive content um, i believe the scheduling of the podcasts are changing um, so there might be some exclusives there for any of our Patreon listen, listeners. Um, we also have our Banterflix website, banterflix.com, um, where you can find all information relating to um, our previous Dark Ages film festivals. Um, I believe some of the shorts are on there. Um, there's also historic um, reviews that the team has went through and the backlog of our podcasts. Um, the podcast is also on Spotify. So if you're enjoying um, the podcast, ours from Crime Scene to Screen or the main podcast, and um, we need to talk about movies, please do, please do subscribe um, and share where possible. And if you have any comments or any criticisms or you want to tell me and Joe that we don't know a thing about the Zodiac, um, you can comment on there or find us on our socials. So um, I think that's all we can really say. So thanks again for joining me for part two, Joe. Yes, thank you very much, Trace. It's been wonderful. <laughs> um, now we can go and desensitize ourselves. And I think I might go and watch a wholesome Disney movie. What about you? Yeah, I think uh, I think we just need something a bit light and fluffy now at the minute, you know. Something nice on the palate. Yeah, a palate well, cleanser. Well, maybe well, just stay away from the true crime docs and Netflix that have been circling about. We'll just we'll stick to something nice. Yeah, nice palate cleanser. Um, but thanks again for listening, and until next time, goodbye. Bye.
This has been We Need to Talk About Movies. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit banterflix.com. See you next time.